8.35 on Christmas Eve. Jack Campbell's still at his desk. Now there's a hallmark moment for you. Peter, I don't see you rushing home to trim the tree. That's because I'm a heartless bastard. Only cares about money. Well, you know what? God love you for that. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up that little clip from uh, the movie uh, Family Man. I assume that you guys listen to these clips and go, what movies are those? That's the Family Man from, I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, Nicolas Cage. And uh, then there's uh, 30D, Dundert Dun Dirt Cheap from ACDC. You'll know why when we get uh, towards the end of the first half. And uh, don't go away. Don't uh, don't miss the second half because uh, we've got Travis Allen coming on the uh, on the show to talk about his uh, run to head the uh, California uh, Grand Old Party, be the head of the Republican Party for uh, for California. And God knows we need somebody to lead this party because we got. I don't even know the word the word to call what happened to uh, to uh, California this this uh, this past. November 6th and and what's the result going to be some of you guys out there that didn't didn't vote right didn't pay attention or no people that did we're going to see we're going to see some some uh, repercussions from this because it's uh it's not good California is not in a good place and we need somebody with some uh some uh guts I'll use that word some guts to lead the Republican party in California or we all need to move out and I'm just not ready to move out. I'm just not ready to give up because I'm a fighter. So anyway, uh, I'm going to go over all kinds of stuff going on this uh, this uh, week in, uh, in America and some fun stuff. It is. And, but, but first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you're interested in, vo- in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities, especially especially if you're thinking about shopping for a home, don't wait till after Christmas like everybody else. Do what everybody else is not. Take advantage of the fact that people are sitting on the sidelines going, eh, the interest rates are higher, and the prices are higher, and it's Christmas time, so I'm not going to shop. That's opportunity, and you know what? Good investors make good money in good markets. Great investors make better money in bad markets. And that's an opportunity for you guys if you're shopping for property is go out there and make make uh, make offers now while the sellers are starting to go, eh, I wonder if anyone's going to buy my house. Nobody's coming to see it. Man, my price too high or what? You know, they're starting to, to, to second guess their pricing and they're getting desperate to sell those things. Take advantage. But first, you need to get pre-qualified. Call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you don't want to talk on the phone, but you do want my help, go to my website, wccloans.com, www.wccloans.com. Click on uh, looking for a loan. Click on apply now. Give me as much information as you want and uh, tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from... uh, Myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, or Randy Johnson, and we will uh, help you find the missing piece to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you're looking to refinance, pull some cash out, 
buy a new uh, investment property, buy a new house to live in, or if you're interested in checking out a reverse mortgage and even a purchase, if you're over 62, you can actually use reverse mortgages to purchase. Hey, you want to pay cash for your house, but you only want to pay half price? Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020 or WCCLoans.com. If you hear something on the radio that you want repeated or uh, you miss part of it, you can get the podcast on edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the podcast page. You'll hear this show. You can listen to this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the uh, podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can have it down, download automatically once a week. Uh, to your uh, your computer or your device or your uh, your iPhone or your Android or your iPad or your mini pad or your maxi pad or your iWatch or whatever else you can listen to uh, podcasts on. I'm sure there's other things I haven't thought of that you can listen to because technology and uh, not being a not being a under 30 or under 40. Um, I'm just not up to date and all that stuff. But uh, happily, I've got people. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, and you can uh, the main event Ed Hoffman on uh, Facebook is our show page. And if you want to leave comments on the show, if I say something that just ticks you off, or if I say something that you say, man, that was a that was a good point, go to the uh, listener hotline eight five five six four zero twenty ninety two. So let's talk about what's going on, uh, Chuck and Nancy, Chuck. Uh, uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, uh, dorks, uh, in the Oval Office with Trump in a gripping piece of political theater. The president held a televised sit-down with Chucky and Nancy in the Oval Office on Tuesday. Although the media is normally sent out much earlier in these meetings, the president allowed them to stay for a few extra minutes. The primary reason for the discussion, President Trump has said he's willing to allow a government shutdown next week if the com- Congress won't give him five billion dollars in wall funding and lord knows we need it chuck and nancy would have none of it see if you can catch the new term nancy tried to sneak in so the media would pick up on this new on this new uh in this new little uh saying that she calls it uh the president caught it as well well thank you mr president for the opportunity to meet with you uh, so that we can work together in a bipartisan way uh, to meet the needs of the american people I think the American people recognize that we must keep government open, that a shutdown is not worth anything, and that you should not have a Trump shutdown. Uh, you have the Hey, you know what? We can't have a government shutdown. We can't have a Trump shutdown. We can't have a Trump shutdown. We can't have a Trump shutdown. As you hear in the next few clips, I say this was not an accidental, just kind of that's what she called it. And that's how she just came out of her mouth accidentally. This was planned. And uh, you know what? Think about this. If the government shuts down, what happens? We still have the military working. We still have the police and the fire department. And we still have the big banks writing these people vouchers so they get paid. And then when the when when they finally uh, settle everything, uh, all these people that all the people in the non-essential services that haven't been working get back pay. So it's a paid vacation for the people that don't do anything really emergency-like, which we don't want to have. But you know what? We need to have a wall. We need to have, we need to have something. To avoid the shutdown, Congress must fund the wall by Friday, December 21st. The president believes he has the votes in the House, but the Senate would be a bigger challenge. Chuck and Nancy think he doesn't have the votes anywhere. But there are no votes in the House, a majority of votes, for a wall. 
no matter where you exactly start. Right. You don't have if to I needed the, the votes for the wall in the House, I would have them mm -hmm. in one session well, would be do done. It. Do it. it doesn't help because we need 10 Democrats in no, the Senate. Put it on the Senate. Put it on the negotiation. Okay, let me ask you this. Just And we're doing this in a very friendly manner. It doesn't help for me to take a vote in the House where I will win easily with the Republicans. It doesn't help to take that vote because I'm not going to get the vote well, of the Senate. the Senate. I need 10 senators. That's Mr. the problem. President, you have the White House. You have the Senate. I have the you White have House. The, the House White House, House is done. And the House would give me the vote if I wanted it. But I can't because well, I need, can't. Nancy, I need 10 yeah. votes from Chuck. Yeah, and you know what? The the Democrats are, uh, that's the, uh, the basis, the foundation for the Democrat platform right now is just stop anything that Trump wants to do. Uh, Nancy, who later said was trying to be the mom in the room, didn't appreciate the president pointing out that she's in a hard position because she needs Republican votes to become the Speaker of the House. We came in here in good faith, uh, and, and, and we're entering into a, a, this kind of a, a discussion in the public view. But it's not bad, but, Nancy. I, no, and, no, it's but, called transparency. Uh, you know, Nancy's in a situation where it's not easy for her to talk right now, and I understand that, and I fully understand that. We're going to have a good discussion, and we're going to see what happens. But we have to have border security. Mr. President, please don't characterize the strength that I bring to this meeting as the leader of the House Democrats who just won a big victory. Elections have me, consequences, Mr. Uh, President. Me, yeah, elections have consequences, Mr. President. Hey, what, what, who was he quoting? Uh, oh, yeah, Barack Obama, who always said, hey, elections have consequences. Guess what? Elections have consequences. We put Trump up there, go, we want a wall on the border. We want the border sealed. We don't really care about closing the government because, you know what? Uh, you know, some people get a paid vacation and... Uh, other people uh, don't get their don't get their checks, and I don't really care if Aunt Nancy Pelosi gets paid or Chuck Schumer gets paid, or actually any of those guys get paid. Trump doesn't take a paycheck, so he donates his to the military. So um, I don't think that's a big deal. And if you watch the video, if you watch the video, um, at some point Nancy Pelosi turns away from Trump, so they're in kind of a triangle. Trump is is facing the cameras, and and uh, you got. Uh, uh, Pelosi off to off to the left of the ca on the cameras and uh, you know looking at him. She's off to the left and and Schumer's on the right and they're all kind of looking at each other. And uh, at some point Pelosi starts talking to the cameras and turns her back on on the president. And uh, Schumer's just looking down, almost never makes eye contact with 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 Trump. Not sure if he uh, is just a a wuss or if he's uncomfortable because apparently. Uh, Chucky and uh, and uh, and Trump used to be friends until they be till he became president, and now they now now for uh, for all uh, optics, uh, tr uh, uh, Schumer has to has to go against him, and, and no matter even if it makes sense, if it makes sense, you know, if it makes sense, you know, oppose it, and if it doesn't make sense, oppose it. There's just if if Trump says it, you just disagree with it. And uh, and vote against it. Of course, Chuck and Nancy have to say they're also for border security, even though they clearly aren't, because they want a free flow of undocumented Democrats. Somehow they think we can achieve securing the border without the wall. We need border security. The wall is a part of border security. You can't have very good border security without the wall. That's no. not true. That is a political promise. Border security is a way to effectively... Honor our and the experts say you can do border security without a wall, which is wasteful and doesn't solve the problem. Yeah, well, who are those experts? Oh, the experts say. So I guess that's the experts. That's the truth because the experts say, it. who the hell are the experts? I don't know. 
if I could have if and, and let me and and then it's of course the uh, who are the experts and then uh, what was the other thing that Pelosi said? Oh, it's just it's wasteful. It's wasteful. It's uh you know you got to have the wall. It's it's wasteful. Well, you know what? So is just flushing money down a toilet. So think about this. Think about this. You are at home. You got a nice house, and your neighborhood's getting bad. You can either move out, which we can't move out of the United States. Um, you want to protect. You want to protect your family. Do you put a wall up with a gate, or do you just hire people to stand guard? What sounds like a better investment? Well, you can hire people to stand guard for twenty bucks an hour, and uh, or maybe twenty five bucks an hour, or maybe maybe minimum wage fifteen bucks an hour, um, and that goes on. And on and on and on and on and on. You keep paying them forever. Or you can put up the wall and it costs a lot more than that, but it's done. It lasts forever. Of course, you know, the, the people trying to get through will probably damage it at some, at some point. We'll have to be doing some repairs, but it's a one big time, one time expense. And then after that, it makes it a lot easier. Is it going to stop everything? No, they're going to try and tunnel under it. They're going to try and climb over it. But at least if you've got this big wall, the, the amount of border patrol agents that required to keep people out is going to be greatly diminished and it's going to cost less. Okay, here's another example. How come uh, McDonald's didn't, uh, didn't put up kiosks to take your order where you can just punch in, I want two Big Macs and a large order of fries and a chocolate shake and apple pie and push a button and then you put in your card and it takes your money and you don't have to talk to a pimply-faced high school kid. How come they never did that? Until we push the minimum wage to, I think it goes to 12 bucks an hour in January 1st. And then it's, uh, I think by 2020, it goes up to 15 bucks. Because guess what? It didn't, you know, for, for $8 an hour, it doesn't make, doesn't make sense to put out, you know, I don't know what it costs for one of those kiosks, 50 grand or something. But if you have to keep paying it over and over and over, you got to keep paying those kids minimum wage and putting up with their not showing up for work and having somebody manage them and do all that stuff. At some point, it just makes more sense. Let's just pay 50000 one time and the machine doesn't call in sick. And the machine, does it require maintenance? Yeah, but it lasts for 10 years before you have to replace it, before technology uh, changes it. Hopefully, hopefully it lasts 10 years. Technology is going really fast. But at what, And then at, then at some point you go, hey, the, the banks come in and say, hey, you want to buy those $50,000 machines? We will do put up all the money and we'll just charge you interest so you can just pay monthly for it. You know what? That's where it makes sense. Pay the one time up front and let it last forever. At some point, you got to have somebody with some with some uh, common sense running this country. Finally, the discussion came around to who should should take the ultimate blame if indeed there is a uh, government shutdown. The president, knowing he will be blamed no matter what, is willing to take that on. One thing I think we can agree on is we shouldn't shut down the government over a dispute. And you want to shut it down. I, you no, keep no, talking no, no, about no. it. The last time, Chuck, you shut it down. No, no, no. And then you opened 20 it up times. very quickly. And 20 times. I don't want to do what you did. 20 but, times Chuck, you have called for, I will shut down the government if I don't get my wool. None of us have you said You want to know something? You've said okay, it. Okay, you want to put that you in You said it. I'll take it. Okay, okay, good. You know what I'll say? Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, absolutely. Fair enough. And I, I am proud, and I'll we tell you disagree. what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck, because the people of this country don't want criminals and people that have lots of problems and drugs pouring into our country. So I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle. Good. Of shutting down. 
I say stand your ground, Mr. President, and Republicans in Congress, Republicans in the Senate, you better back his, back him up. That's what we want. We put Trump in the White House because we want the southern border sealed. We want it. We want to. We want to. We want security there. After meeting with Chuck and Nancy, after after that meeting, Chuck and Nancy gave a press conference. Chuck started out by revealing that they gave the president two possible ways to avoid a shutdown, both of which involve a continuing resolution, which means just raise our credit limit and we're just going to kick the kick the can down the road and we'll start all over again next year. We hope he'll take it because a shutdown hurts too many innocent people. And this Trump shutdown, this temper tantrum that he seems to throw will not get him his wall and it'll hurt a lot of people because he will cause a shutdown. He admitted he wanted a shutdown. It's hard to believe that he would want that. Should unfortunately that the president choose to shut down the government, that we have a Trump shutdown as a Christmas present, a holiday present to the American people. I told the president that the new House of Representatives, when it convenes, will pass what Mr. Uh, Mr. Schumer suggested here, the distinguished Senate leader suggested, in terms of passing the six bills, the six appropriations bills that are agreed to in a bipartisan way and have a continuing resolution until September 30th for the Homeland Security Bill, during which time we can discuss these issues further. Uh, I told the president that would happen. We would send it to the Senate. Uh, he says, oh, we can pass it in the House, his bill right now in the House. He does not have the votes in the House to pass whatever his agenda is with that wall in it. We're telling him we'll keep government open with the proposal that Mr. Schumer suggested why doesn't he just think about it? In fact, I asked him to pray over it. Yeah, she's such a spiritual being. Just pray over it. Nancy Pelosi's a scumbag. And, uh, you know, and hey, Nancy, hey, you know what? I know you're about uh, 77, 78 years old. I know your hair should be uh, getting the same color as mine, and I'm uh, 20 years younger than you. And, uh, you know, if you're going to dye your hair dark if you're old, and, and everybody should think about this, if you're going to go on TV, you know, do your roots. If you see if you see the the press conference thing and she looks like she got a big old bald spot on there because she didn't do her roots and if you notice that she always gets shot from her left side instead of her right side cut anyway it's it was it was kind of funny and uh what nancy reportedly said behind the scenes was even creepier according to an aide who spoke on condition of anonymity pelosi said to the house democrats in a closed door meeting it's like a manhood thing for him as if manhood could ever be associated with him. This wall thing, it goes to show you, you get into a tinkle contest with a skunk, you get tinkle all over you. She's so gross. She's a, she's a dork. Meanwhile, talks about the border security could not come at a better time. As we know, Homeland Security has confirmed that there could be terrorists embedded in the migrant caravan at the border. And now Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says that what happened in Strasbourg, France this week could easily happen here. What happened in Strasbourg? A 29-year-old gunman on Thursday, Sharif Shakat, opened fire in an outdoor Christmas uh, market, killing four people now. And I think there's 11 people uh, uh, injured in the hospital. One is supposedly brain dead. While shouting something we haven't heard in a while, Allahu Akbar. You know what? Do people do people really think that, that ISIS went away? Here's Mike Pompeo. Europe has got an enormous challenge. We have this problem here in the United States as well. Lots of folks that we're watching we think are at risk. 
Uh, we try to monitor, but the numbers are so big. It's why, frankly, border security matters, too. These are these are related issues in the sense of we need to know who's coming in and out of our country. So there are fewer people that the FBI and sheriff's offices in Kansas and places like that have to monitor and watch. You know, what? if you guys if if you guys and I'm referring to you, Democrats, that happen to be listening or the Democrats that you guys listening know if they're dumb enough to think that that the that the Muslim terrorists have gone away just because uh, Trump and Mattis basically basically killed them all. They're all they're all there just sitting waiting for some, for us to let up let up the uh, the fight. They're waiting for Trump to get out. They're waiting for the for us to not get a wall. They're try, they're just figuring out a new a new plan. They're there because that's their their sole mission in life is to kill infidels, which is people who love freedom. And uh, you know Trump and Mattis essentially got rid of them, but they didn't go away. But if you ask PMSNBC's Mika Brzezinski, who's also a moron. National security isn't what Mike Pompeo should be concerned himself with right now. She believes we should be focused on persecuting the Saudis for killing journalist Jamal Khashoggi. I know that means more to me than making sure that our border is, uh, you know, let's just go after the Saudis for killing the journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And because she's a liberal, she's allowed, allowed to use a gay slur to make her point. Why doesn't Mike Pompeo care right now? Are the pathetic deflections that we just heard when he appeared on Fox and Friends, is that a patriot speaking or a wannabe dictator's butt boy? A wannabe dictator's butt boy? Hello? What would happen if, uh, I don't know, if, uh, if someone who uh, wasn't uh, pro-LGBT uh, uh, said something like that? Like Kevin Hart, who basically... Uh, uh, part of his stand-up said uh, he didn't want his kid to be gay, and uh, now he doesn't get to host the Oscars. I don't know, but she's a liberal, so it, there's a pass on it. So anyway, let's go on. Let's go on to to Michael Cohen. I got a few minutes left. You know, Michael Cohen, emotional Michael Cohen, President Trump's former lawyer and fixer, was sentenced Wednesday to three years behind bars for what Manhattan federal court judge called veritable smorgasbord of criminal conduct. Since Robert Mueller and the courts have bombarded us with judgments against Trump associates, it becomes impossible to keep them all straight. So here's a reminder of what he uh, what he was what he's going to jail for: making secret payments to two women that President Trump allegedly had affair. Something that Democrats never do: lying to Congress about Trump's business dealings with Russia. Cohen, not Trump, lied to Congress about the extent of his 2016 attempts to negotiate a deal to put a Trump Tower in, in Moscow. You know, in 2006, to, you know that. You know, Trump was a, uh, a real estate developer. So putting buildings in other countries, that's something that's just not allowed. Only when confronted by the FBI did Cohen admit he was lying. Failing to report millions of dollars in income, not Trump's income, but his own personal income that had nothing to do with working for Trump. So uh, Michael Trump. Oh, and part of the, part of these things. This is a good one. He he, uh, he hid approximately 30000 in profit. Profit made in 2015 for brokering the sale of a Birkin bag, a highly coveted French handbag that uh, retails for between 11900 and 300000 depending on the type of leather and the animal skin used. You go go through this stuff. You know this guy is this guy is a, a girly man. Uh, Cohen teared up as he pleaded for mercy and laid much of the blame on his former boss Donald Trump. Friday on Good Morning America, George Stephanopoulos interviewed him, and Cohen said this. I told the truth. I took responsibility for my actions. He knows the truth. I know the truth. Others know the truth. And here is the truth. The people of the United States of America, the people of the world, don't believe what he's saying. The man doesn't tell the truth. And it's sad that I should take responsibility for his dirty deeds. 
That's what Cohen does. He hides his dirty deeds. And does any of this have anything to do with Russia? Not a damn thing. Nope. None of it has to do with anything. Uh, Eight counts involving tax evasion, lying to financial institutions, violating campaign finance laws were brought by uh, prosecutors of the Southern District of New York. And how does any of that have to have to do with campaign finance? Well, apparently anything you spend that does not, that is to influence a federal election is considered an expenditure of campaign fi- campaign finance expenditure. So I guess, you know, even brush, uh, buying toothpaste and having your clothes clean so you look good when you're campaigning could be considered uh, campaign campaign finance uh, expenditures. It goes it goes to the ridiculous, and they're just doing this because it's Trump, folks. I could talk on this for all, for all day, but I'm out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned. I got Travis Allen coming on coming on to talk about California. Don't go away. I'll be right back in five minutes. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk about real estate and finance much on the show because I think you guys might think it's boring. But if you do need uh, real estate financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020 or go to wccloans.com. And uh, as promised, on the phone, we have uh, Mr. Travis Allen. Travis Allen is a former California State Assemblyman for the 72nd District, which is uh, out in Orange County. He ran an awesome, strong race for governor. He should have been our next governor uh, of California. Uh, Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, I guess Newt Gingrich, who is friends with John Cox, convinced Trump to, to endorse Cox and a lot of people uh, just didn't use anything but that. And I think, uh, in my opinion, Travis had had Trump actually talked to you and talked to Cox. There's no question who he would have endorsed because uh, first time I heard you speak, I said, "This is this is California's Donald Trump." So uh, well, it's been a it's a yeah, heartbreak. I, I- I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, it, it's all water under the bridge now. You know, if, if the president has actually stayed out of the race, we might have had a very different race. But uh, nonetheless, the race is what it is. And unfortunately, every single person of the 40 million Californians got saddled with one of the worst losses we have ever seen in the midterm elections. The Republicans are now so diminished. They're at their lowest point since 1883 in California. So you've you've served in the state assembly since 2012. Um, you should have been elected governor, but now you're running for the chairman of the California Republican Party. What what kind of what kind of difference do you hope to make? Look, you know, this is very straightforward. I I never wanted to be in politics. Ed. That was that was never my lifelong ambition. You know, I am a uh, investment advisor. I own my own company. I've been managing money for 20 years. Uh, travel the world. Have have a great time. I'm married. I got a young family. But the problem was, as I looked around, I noticed everybody was leaving that I knew. My parents left. They live in Oregon. My brother left. He lives in Arizona. My best friend's over in Texas, and I just lost a couple more of them to Texas just a couple weeks ago. And I said, look, I love this state. I love California. I'm a Southern California surfer. And, you know, there's no waves in Texas unless there's a hurricane. So if I'm going to stay here, I better do something to materially impact the state and to benefit the state. Because Jerry Brown, Nancy Pelosi, and the rest, you can see what they've done. I mean, we still have great weather, and there's great people, and and all all these great things we have. We also have the highest homelessness in the nation. We have the highest poverty in the nation. We have things like this bullet train to nowhere wasting our money. And now we have a gas tax we didn't even really get a chance to vote on in the first place. And now we're saddled with it for life. 
So this is the problem in California is there's not representation. The normal, hardworking people of California, they're just stuck in traffic every single day, going to work, trying to make a living. These are the ones that are getting the short end of the stick by the Democrats in Sacramento. That's why I originally got engaged. That's why I became a state assemblyman. And, you know, after I ran for governor, uh, I took a look around and I, I did my best to support all the other candidates up and down the state. I did rallies for them. I brought my volunteers. I endorsed them. I said, get out there and go vote for these Republicans. But, you know, unfortunately, the Republican Party establishment was not ready for the onslaught of the Democrats. And as we stand today, you know, in December of 2018, looking back and looking forward, Republicans, in order to have a statewide voice, better have the strongest possible foundation. We must rebuild the Republican Party so it can actually win again in California. I'm talking by Republicans, for Republicans, with Republican values, Republican ideals, and you better believe supporting our Republican president. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was, I was impressed with the, uh, with the support that you had, the, 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 the join the Travis train and get everybody, everybody getting on board, and such a uh, passionate group of people, including myself, and uh, then when. Trump came out and said, you know, I had some people that hadn't had a chance to to meet you or hear you speak. And I said, you got to support Travis Allen, man. This guy is is who we need in this Cal- in California. And yeah, but Trump endorsed Cox. I said, Cox can't win. He just doesn't have it. He, he is just not inspiring. He's just he can't win against uh, Gavin Newsom. And I'll tell you that my wife, Don, and I had a had a a literal out out loud conscious conversation about this two weeks ago. We said, hey. Either we need to jump on Travis Allen's train and help take back California, or we need to find a new state because this is just going to be ugly. And you know we're getting to our to our years where hey, I can go anywhere. I can go anywhere. I can be anywhere. But you know what? I'm not the type to to sit back and not fight. Hey, I'm just going to let you guys take my home with the great with the great weather and the great location and everything's wonderful about California. I'm just going to let you guys take it. I'll go somewhere else. That's just not me. And I know it's not you. No, no. And look, this is this is our state. It belongs to us. It doesn't belong to the elitist machine politicians that are running San Francisco, Los Angeles and the state government up in Sacramento. The the reality is this. Today in California, there's a one party system. There is only the Democrats. They have all of the statewide offices. They have what's called a mega majority in the state legislature now, which means they have over 75 percent in the state legislature. This is the problem. There is no other side of the story right now. There's no balance. There's no you know, two sides of the table trying to hammer out a compromise for the betterment of Californians. Instead, it is one party rule. And you know, I gotta tell you very simply, Ed, if the Democrats' solutions worked, I'd be all for them. But the problem is this, they don't. We know this, we are stuck in the worst in the nation traffic every single day because we can't build more roads. We get these you know, terrible wildfires because we can't clear out the 139 million dead trees and do basic wildland management in places like Malibu after we have these you know, uh, immense rains that we have. It goes to the worst schools in the nation where we used to have the best schools in the nation. And you, know, you take a look at rising violent crime, the homeless encampments that are all over all of our cities. I mean, it's so bad in downtown LA, it looks like a third world country. And on the streets of San Francisco, that's Gavin Newsom's former city, you can't even walk on the streets because you got hypodermic needles on sidewalks. The whole place smells like human waste. And literally, there's maps telling you which streets you can go on and which streets you should really avoid, you know, so you don't step in it, essentially. This is the problem. This is not our state. These are not our values. 
But unfortunately, because the Republican establishment has simply failed California, because they have not put up enough of a fight, Californians don't have representation. So, you know, much like you, I I sat back and I said, look, I, I have a young family here. I love this state. You know, I'm even in the Guinness Book of World Records for riding the biggest surfboard ever in Huntington Beach. Why do I got to leave my own state? We deserve a strong Republican Party that actually lays the foundation of statewide voter registration, attacking this crazy election fraud that we're seeing rampant throughout the state, and yes, actually start to recall these Democrat politicians that are totally out of touch, just like we did to Gray Davis in 2003, just like we did to Josh Newman in 2018. This is the Republican Party that we need, a Republican Party that understands it needs to learn how to fight and learn how to win. Well, the uh, you know the what the people are saying, the Republican Party saying, or they're saying that the Republicans are the are are dead in California. A few of the comments that uh, the establishment Republicans have put out there. Um, California Republican consultant Mike Madrid said the party has has to die before it can be rebuilt, and 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 I mean completely decimated. There is no message, no messenger, and no money. One of your former Assemblyman uh, colleagues, Kristen Olson, said the California Republican Party isn't salvageable at this time. Republicans must acknowledge their serious problem in California, partic- particularly the toxicity of President Trump. What's your reaction? Look, it's insanity. I mean, this is the problem. You know, in, when you're talking about in, in victory in a conflict, victory typically doesn't mean one side gets annihilated. What, what really means is that one side gets so demoralized, it decides to abandon the field. And this is exactly what you're seeing from these Republican overpaid consultants and these, quote unquote, Republican establishment types. So to give you an idea, the the person that you just mentioned, uh, Kristen Olson, was a former Assembly Republican leader. She famously ripped up her no new tax pledge, which meant, of course, that she voted to raise taxes for Californians. And now she wants to say that the Republican Party has left Californians behind. Well, look, the real answer is, is that people in the Republican establishment tried to say to every California Republican candidate, if you want to win, you got to look and sound more like Democrats. That losing strategy, that backward thinking has lost us races for decades now. If you lay on top of that, the fact that the party has not done statewide voter registration for years, you can understand why going from 40% voter registration as Republican down to 25% voter registration as Republican in California will really affect our chances to win. So these same people that took us down this primrose path that led to the worst result we've seen in the last 100 years want to try to tell us the Republican Party's dead. Well, no thank you. They are the problem. And I'm telling you right now, that's why I'm running to be the next chair of the Republican Party, to strengthen every Republican across California, to give the 5 million California Republicans a voice, and you better believe to bring the millions of independents that will vote conservative and will vote Republican, to bring them into our tent and say, you know what, if you believe in safe communities, strong schools, strong borders, family values, we're your party. We are here for you. But that will be the new California Republicans. Okay, so uh, in my opinion, the California GOP uh, let us down huge in the election. Um, I had people people calling me saying, hey, who are we voting for for senator? We had like 15 in the primary. We had like 15 Republicans running, and nobody knew who, you know, all they, had to, all they would have had to done is arrange one debate 
one debate with just the just the Republicans, and so hey, let's let's all get a feel for who's the leader in this group. Same thing could have been done, and I know that you uh, you debated uh, John Cox without having the the other uh, the other uh, candidates on the stage. You, I know you did that once at the uh, Redlands Tea Party. I don't know how if is that the only time you debated John Cox. Oh, no, no. We debated up and down the state. And you remember the Redlands Tea Party. I think the, the result was 91 percent uh, in my favor or something like this versus the opponent. But, you know, look, it's uh, this is what it takes. It takes an active, energized party with people that really want to win again. And I think to your point, you know, you take a look at the top two results uh, where we have this top two system. They call it a jungle primary in California, where regardless of political party, the top two vote getters advance to the general election. This is what gave us two Democrats in the Senate race. I mean, your choice was between Kevin DeLeon, who was the original author of the illegal sanctuary state, or Dianne Feinstein, right? And, and we know all about DiFi. And this is the problem, is that you had bad or worse to choose from. I didn't even vote in this election in, in, in the Senate race for a very simple reason. You know, you give me two bad choices, I'm not taking either of them. But California Republicans deserve a Republican in every seat in every office across the state. So how do we how do we turn how do we turn off the uh, open how how can what is it going to take to turn off the the open elections where the top two and go back to the two party thing? How do we how do we make some kind of voter uh, the voter fraud we know is is off the hook and and we can go into detail. But how do we what does it take to get that turned around? Is it a vote in the assembly? Is a well we're not going to get that. How how can how can we turn that around? It's a ballot initiative. Yeah, the only way you're going to change the top two primary is the same way we got it in the first place, is with a successful ballot initiative. And, you know, this is a key. You take a look at, at the failures of the Republican Party establishment that have landed us, as I mentioned, in the worst situation we've been in the last hundred years in California, where, you know, the people of California are being failed because they no longer have an alternative. There's no there's not two sides to listen to. There's only one side right now, and that's the Democrats. This failure was not just brought on by the Republican establishment being Republican light. It was also brought on by the fact that they have not prepared, they have not planned, they have not executed like the Democrats. And let me give you an example. Two weeks after Trump got elected in 2016, there were 11 paid Democrat operatives put in the state of California. They put them in every single district where Hillary beat Trump, but yet there was a Republican congressman. So the Democrats knew they had a shot there. They poured on $30 million of voter registration money on top of that, and they changed the election laws. So they allowed themselves to do same-day registration. They allowed themselves to do ballot harvesting, which means Democrat operatives can knock on your door, tell you how to fill out your ballot, and then collect it for you and supposedly turn it in. And, of course, you all know, of course, about the illegal driver's licenses for people that were not here legally that then turned into the motor voter, which meant that everybody who get a driver's license would automatically get registered to vote. The DMV has already told us that almost 25,000 people were improperly registered, including non-citizens, to vote. This is a problem in California. The Democrats had a plan. They executed their plan. At every step of the way, they beat the California Republicans. And I'll tell you right now, this is a failure for every single one of us, but this is a failure that we can't tolerate. And that's exactly why I'm running. This is exactly why I'm running to be the next chairman of the California Republican Party, because we must have a party that is willing to fight, and when it fights, that it fights to win. 
So you were one of the uh, the first people to propose the the repealing of SB one, the gas tax that cost Californians over seven hundred seven hundred bucks a year, in addition to higher vehicle registration. Uh, you managed to get one million signatures for the repeal to go on the ballot in the form of Prop six, and yet Proposition six was defeated because fifty five percent of the voters voted no. And I can tell you, I talk to people who say. Hey, you know what? And and I and I talked to I talked to someone in my family that that said, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, tax reform, and say, you know, what? the only fair way to do it is to do a a national sales tax and get rid of the IRS because then nobody can cheat. Nobody pays zero, and nobody pays fifty two percent. And uh, this uh, person in my family goes, yeah, but then the government will just just add on, can just add on new taxes. I said, well, how did you vote on Prop Six? And he goes, I voted no. And I go, why'd you vote no? He goes. Well, because I read it and I analyzed it, I said, you read, did you realize that that repealed the gas tax? Do you realize that that stopped California from being able to add taxes without the voters approving them? Oh, 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 oh. And you know what? How do, how do we, how do we, I don't know, how, how do we turn that around? I mean, the, you, you, got a, you had, a, had a, a, a repeal Prop 6 and they rewrote it as, as uh, hey, do you want to stop fixing potholes? Yes, exactly right. So you remember there was actually two efforts to repeal the gas tax. Mine was the first, and I wrote uh, the original repeal. Uh, I then sued the Attorney General Javier Becerra in Superior Court because essentially he did exactly what you just mentioned. He was lying about the title and summary to confuse voters. Uh, I beat him in Superior Court. They got it overturned in Appeals Court, and the California Supreme Court, which is staffed by a bunch of recent appointees by Jerry Brown, wouldn't even take up the case. So that's actually what happened to the ballot title and summary. They just beat the Republicans in court. And the uh, attorney general essentially now has carte blanche to say anything you want to, anything he wants to about any ballot initiative that's on the ballot, meaning that they can directly, you know, confuse voters, mislead voters, et cetera. And unfortunately, the other side had $53 million of your taxpayer money on the table. This is what they were fighting for. It doesn't matter that it was a gas tax and they said part of it was going to go to the roads. We all know that it's a shell game in Sacramento. It is always taxes are very simply. They're always an excuse to take more of your money and put it into somebody else's pocket, the government's. The latest thing we just heard about a couple of days ago was that the Public Utilities Commission wants to do a, tech, a tax on texts. So believe it or not, they want to actually tax you for the amount of texts you are sending through your cell phone. This is the thinking of the California Democrats, and this is why we actually have to stop them. But in order to, whether it's stop the gas tax, stop the text tax, you must have a viable Republican Party that is actually able to get this message out, that's able to educate the voters. And I'll tell you, there is no substitute for this. This is just hard work. This is all the work the Democrats have done for decades, but the Republicans have not done. The community organizing, the statewide voter registration, empowering local Republican groups, and actually getting people out in every single precinct to vote. And if that means, by the way, that we have to go learn ballot harvesting and become masterful as it, as, as the Democrats have, if it's not declared illegal, then you better believe the Republican Party better be ready to be the best ballot harvesters you've ever seen come 2020 to save the state of California. Yeah, that's it's, a, it's scary to think, hey, is, is there any way for us to turn around without getting into the into the dirty stuff that they're doing is that the is it if you can't beat them join them no no actually so here's the concept you know uh, ballot harvesting is not legal in any other state and it's very questionable whether it's actually constitutional that will be a a decision for the courts to make Uh, and that's a fight that should be fought 
The issue is, though, is if ultimately it turns out that this is a legal practice, even though you know having paid operatives collect ballots, help people fill them out, and then turn them in um, with really no oversight, even though that sounds really, really strange and, and, and doesn't really sound right, if that ends up being the law of the land, the Republicans better get good at playing that game just like the Democrats. Because you took a look on election night, many of the Republican candidates across California were up only to lose by, you know, five points, 10 points or more in the following weeks as all of those harvested ballots came in overwhelmingly for the Democrats. And this is this is it. In the end of the day, you know, you either get a win or a loss. And if you win, Republicans get to represent the people of California. We can start to reduce traffic, fix the schools, lower the taxes, strengthen the borders, all these great things. But if Republicans aren't smart and they don't play the game well, they lose. And as they have done for the last 20 years, because almost every single election cycle since 1994 has resulted in either holding the line or losing seats for Republicans in California. If that continues, not only will the Republicans be as irrelevant as they are today, but I'll tell you, they probably won't come back for at least a decade or more. And all of those gloom and doom pronouncements of the Republican establishment types would come true. I'm here to tell you, Ed, that is not our future. That's not our tomorrow. Our tomorrow is very simple. There's 5 million California Republicans. There's millions more of independents that will vote conservative and will vote for Republicans that will actually fix our state, get rid of the homelessness, fix the traffic, bring people out of poverty, bring prosperity back to California. But it's going to take a strong party. This is a party that is willing to put in the hard work, that's willing to take the risks, that's willing to support Republican candidates for every office across the state of California so we can start winning again in California. Yeah, my and my opinion on the on fixing the election integrity in this uh, in this state, I think I think uh, early voting going on for a month is ridiculous. It's more opportunity to cheat. I think we should have uh, maybe early voting, maybe a couple of days ahead of time at, at you know for convenience. But other than that, if you want to vote, and if that means we have to make a national a national holiday for for hey nobody works on. On uh, on election day, if that if that's what it takes, and you know what, maybe you dip your finger in the ink that doesn't come off for ten days, like they do in uh, in the Middle East, to say hey, if if you voted once, that's all you get to vote, and if you can't get yourself to a uh, to a uh, a polling place, then you don't get to vote. And uh, then, absolutely, and I'd love to and I'd love to see a test. Hey, if you that you can't vote on the propositions unless you've attended some kind of a workshop where people discuss it. So there's open discussion. So people have to say, hey, I've attended this. I understand what I'm voting for. Otherwise, otherwise, it's just a uh, who has the most money to get the word out. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, then let me let me let me let me clarify a bit too. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of these things. You know, we have a basic right to vote, and personally, I have no problem with anybody voting at any time. I don't have a problem with same-day registration. I think, you know, uh, conditional ballots, all of these things, it's all acceptable as long as it's verifiable. As long as we know that whoever's voting is a U.S. citizen and is a legal resident of the jurisdiction they're voting in, God bless them. I want them to vote. But the bottom line is this. We have to have things like voter ID so we can actually verify who it is that's voting, and that they're legal to vote. We don't have that today in California. You know, somehow they say it violates your rights, which, of course, is absolute nonsense. It's just another way for them to steal elections. But all of this is to say this is the game. This is how the table is set. Republicans have a choice. You're either they're going to fight or they're going to die as a party. This is an existential threat to the Republican Party. They're in the back of an alley. They've already been stabbed multiple times by the Democrats. This is the fight of the Republicans' life in California. I will tell you that there is an election 
for the party chairman in February. This will determine the direction of the California Republican Party. We are either going to have a youthful, energized, empowered organization that will register voters statewide, attack election fraud, and prepare for the next elections, and then also go to recall Democrat politicians that absolutely have stepped over the line. This is either your future, or we have 10 years of Gavin Newsom, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi, and everything else they want to throw at us. I'll tell you right now, I want to live in the state. I know you do, too. I'm sick and tired of driving in traffic. I'm sick and tired of seeing homelessness on the streets. I'm sick and tired of having borders that are not enforced. This is our state. And when I tell you, Ed, it's time to take it back, you better believe it's going to start at the top. It'll start with the California Republican Party rebuilt from the ground up by Republicans and for Republicans. How, who, who votes on the, uh, on the chairman of the, of the GOP? Now, this is an interesting thing. Uh, there's 40 million people in the state of California, 5 million Republicans, and only 1,400 people get to decide who the next chairman of the Republican Party is. Here's how it works. Every elected Republican official uh, that has a statewide post, uh, you know, legislative, et cetera, or is a county party chairman or on the board of directors of the Republican Party gets a certain amount of, of appointments for delegates. And so it's these elected officials that essentially give out the delegate slots. The delegates are the only ones that get to vote. So there's only 1,400 slots. So if you're listening to the sound of our voice and you know a Republican elected official, call them up and say, you know what, I want to be a part of the solution for the California Republicans. Appoint me as a delegate so you can come to the convention. It's February 22nd to 24th in Sacramento. It's at the Hyatt. By the way, everybody's welcome to come. It's only the delegates that are going to get to vote. And tell these Republican officials, look, make me your delegate. I want to be a part of the solution for California, for the Republicans. And then get yourself in February to Sacramento to vote. Because I'll tell you, it's 1,400 votes that will decide the future of the California Republican Party. All right, hey uh, Travis, we're we're out of time here. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk more face to face on uh, Tuesday night at the, Re- the Riverside Republicans uh, uh, Christmas party as well. But I want to have have you back on between now and February, and I, w- I want to see if I can uh, be a part of that. And I want to get as many of our listeners as a part of it because we want you leading our leading our party, and we want California back. Let's let's take it back, Ed. Follow me on Facebook and join Travis Allen Twitter and Instagram. This is our state. It's about time we take it back. Okay, Travis. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us on the main event, everybody. My name is Ed Hoffman. I'll be back again with you next week. Views expressed on this program are Ed Hoffman and his guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker. License number zero one one three seven seven four seven. NMLS nine eight seven three. And California Finance Lenders License number six zero three K six one zero. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona.